and welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. Today we're going to talk about Supergirl Season 3, Episode 12, For Good. I'm your host, David Schaub. And I'm Brianna Toiber. Here is my recap from National City. Finding World Killers Plot Kara has a convenient dream about world killers. Wynne and Monel come up with an incomprehensible plan to find them. Wynne ends up just looking at unexplained survivals, finds a shortlist, and Kara points at the one from her dream. What's wrong with Sam plot? Alex helps test Sam. Nothing explains Sam's memory blackouts, or, more strangely, that Sam isn't human. Sam does tell Lena and Kara about it. Nobody figures it out. Edge and Luther murder plot. Morgan tells Lena that she's wasting herself at Catco. Someone tries to kill Edge. Someone tries to kill Lena. Someone does kill Lena's poisoner. Almost everyone's wrong about who. Lena tracks down her sociopathic mum who's monologues. Lillian tells Lena that she's wasting herself at Catco. Lena saves Edge, but only after recording a confession made under duress. Lynn and Monel and Guardian help bring down Lillian and Edge. Lena realizes she can be cunning without evil, and maybe we'll do less work at Catco. In many regards, this was not the episode I was expecting. Me either. I have to confess, I still haven't seen last the last week's episode, because I've just been insanely busy, but I... It turned out a little differently than I expected, but also in a way that makes me happy that I really liked how they did it. Really, this episode is such a sort of left turn that it almost doesn't matter that you didn't see the previous episode. And the only thing you really need to know from the previous episode is that there are more world killers and that Sam has realized she's losing time. And that's about it. Yeah, I, I kind of got that. I was thankful for the little recap and I was like, Okay, I'm not completely lost, so I don't have to go back and figure out what the heck is going on. While there are three sort of plots going in parallel, only one of them really has much basis in the sort of Rain storyline, and we don't really even see Rain, so it worked reasonably well in that regard. How about first we take on the DEO trying to tack down the world killer plot, which uh, starts with Kara's dream. That kind of, with the whole world killer, it just made me think of like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's definitely a Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse vibe with the world killers. There's definitely, in the comics, one is very warlike and one is very poison-like. And like, there's uh, some similarities there. And I'm sure they're sort of running with that. But I was a little surprised that we are only seeing Rain and the new world killer and one other woman. I was kind of thinking we might see three other world killers other than Rain, but that didn't seem to come to pass. They did find a couple of mystery people, so there could be more world killers. It's just the one Kara saw is the first one that's going to quote-unquote wake up. I cannot think of a single Watsonian reason for that dream. I, I, I'll i be interested to see if they actually try and explain that dream, or they just are throwing it in and we'll never hear from it again. I would hope they would try and explain it just because it's so out of place for the... MacGuffin of finding the world killer is basically solved by, oh, I saw it in a dream. Yeah, maybe they were trying to go for, like, the religious sort of prophetic feeling, but this is the first time we've ever seen that with Kara. And, yeah, I I don't know. I almost would believe the prophet would have that dream rather than Kara. So that seemed out of place in so many ways, and I was amused that it was followed up by 
a plan from Wynn and Monel that I still don't understand. There was the talk of when the pods landed and when the kryptonite landed, and the pods landed at different times because sometimes they flew through different places of space, and I don't know what that told them. Did you understand that plot conversation between uh, Wynn, Monel, and John Jones? Oh, it kind of reminded me of things that I've seen in this um, other crime show, Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like... If they all came from the same place, then it would they would theoretically be able to sort of mathematically predict where the things might have landed. But yeah, because like I I don't know how well that, that would have worked. Tell them decades and decades ago this thing happened and things happened in a pattern. I was very confused and more amusing is the episode effectively entirely drops it because as far as I can tell that information is not used at all in the actual conclusion of this plot line. Yeah, that might have just been their long shot plan before Wynn came up with something that was actually a good, easy to implement plan of looking for any unexplained anomalies that happened like around that time and going forward. And then he found, I think it was the four people. Yep, definitely. Which, who knows, they may all turn out to be world killers, it's just Kara doesn't realize it. And then we have our four horsemen. That is possible, though I don't believe, unfortunately, one of them was Sam. That would have been funny. Yeah, no, that something would have been said if it, one of them was Sam. We did get that one scene in the middle of this plot where John Jones gives a, a nice little pep talk to Kara, who's just frustrated by the waiting, but I don't know if it really added that much to the story. Well, it kind of, it was re-emphasizing that she is a symbol of hope and good through all the chaos, which kind of goes back to, I think it was in the first season when everyone was being mind-controlled. When all the humans were, but they were able to broadcast something with her, and the hope sort of broke them out of it. So it's re-emphasizing that she is a symbol of good and hope and something people can count on, which is going to be important in the sort of upcoming war. We still really don't know what that war is going to look like, so it might be the case. Yeah, it could be epic, it could be a glorified slap fight, we'll see. <laughs> well, they've already done that, so... Hopefully they'll do something somewhat more interesting. Yeah. I did quite like that it basically was, for those who get the reference, the mystery glass search mechanism for finding the world killers. And But really nothing else moved forward except now both we know who the world killer is and Kara knows who the world killer is. So the next episode is definitely going to be more interesting. Yeah, and also they're going to go after the world killer. But my question is, because like I don't think the rest of the world killers are sort of awake yet, like how Rain didn't wake up for a while. So is Kara going to like find them going to be what triggers them, quote unquote, waking up? If that was purity that we saw at the end of the previous episode, her eyes did flash, which meant some degree of a wake up happened there. And we haven't seen her since, so we don't know how awake she is. Oh. She may show up in the in Rain's Fortress next episode, or maybe the DA will track them down, or maybe it'll be a chase to find her first. But we'll see what happens next episode. Yeah, we'll see. I need to go back and watch the last episode because I wasn't I obviously didn't see that part. Let's move on to the what's wrong with Sam plot. I really liked this plot. Me too. We finally get to see like Alex doing her doctor thing. Because she does have a lot of medical background, and I think they forget that. But they're showing that she's really good at that, and it makes me happy. I did consider calling this the Dr. Alex plot, but that seemed a little too on the nose. 
And it was both well thought out, well acted, well presented. It was really nice. I, I liked that Sam doesn't know that Alex is in the DEO, so they use the L-Corp labs, but Alex still has a background story that makes sense. It just fit together really nicely. Yeah, and I I liked seeing them bond, especially over like the urge to sort of take care of things on your own and not tell people what's going on with you, because... That's a common problem. It's something that I've experienced, but basically, like, Alex is trying to help her not make that mistake and help remind her that she does have friends and people that she can count on to help her get through whatever this is that's going on. Yeah, it definitely, that's exactly what I wrote, too, is a great bonding between Alex and Sam. And the show this season has a bit of a challenge because they need Sam to really be introduced and to become really close friends with Kara, Alex, and Lena pretty quickly. And they've sometimes, I think, had some challenges with that. But in this case, I think they did a really good job of showing these two people who both are very strong, very independent people, both who have had different people they've had to care for. And it really worked really well. Yeah, I I love the sort of solidarity that's going on between the four women and how, like, when Sam was talking about how she felt like she was a burden, it kind of reminds me of, like, people with, like, mental illnesses and stuff. A lot of the reason they don't tell people about it is because they feel like they're a burden. But, yeah, but that rarely helps in the long run. Yeah, and Alex just reinforced it, like, hey, this, you are not a burden. You just need help, and we want to help you. We're here to help you get through this no matter what it is. And I just, I really like that message. Because the world needs more of that message. In many of our recent podcasts, I've been mentioning Sam's problem of family work, supervillain balance. And I like it that, at least in this episode, she now fully realizes that she has a family work and something balance problem in her life. That realization does help. It continues to make Sam an interesting character and present it well. Yeah, she's so much more interesting than her alter ego. So much. That's not hard, but... <laughs> By far the most tense scene in this entire episode was, of course, the blood draw, which I thought was... It wasn't played to be tense, but everyone watching the show knows that it's tense because it was the question of, what's going to happen? Is Rain going to pop out? Is the needle actually going to be able to go into her arm? Because I think we've seen that. It won't work with Kara. No, no, no. For a Kryptonian on Earth, it's really rather challenging to do medical procedures. Like, you have to use kryptonite to get into their skin. But in this case... Maybe because some subconscious sensing mechanism knows that there's not an actual threat. Though I don't know how you can respond quickly enough to stop a bullet. Let the blood draw happen. And that was just so tense, because yeah, it could go so many different ways so quickly in, in that scene. That's why like, I'm starting to like develop this theory that maybe the reason that they couldn't track the world killers or say... or rain through the normal method of like finding Kryptonian signatures is maybe because the world killers sort of adapt to like mock the biology and stuff of the people around them kind of like shapeshifters that is some wonderful headcanon because <laughs> it, it would make sense it would make them more effective as world killers and it would also explain why like she like why a Kryptonian world killer is focusing on earth maybe because like she they're kind of like chameleons but she can but she also can tap into the strength and invisibility invincibility it's awesome headcanon all around like i i hope you're right 
I don't know. I expect they might explain it in a, a more wishy-washy way. It is this thing of how in the world can she, under this degree of scrutiny, where they're like doing brain scans, MRIs, blood tests, it's really hard to get confused about what species you're looking at. So I hope there is some explanation as to why the world killers might be like initially put into an undercover state or something. Because yeah, it, it's up there with an item that probably should get added to the super science list. But I can't quite tell if it's intentional or not. So I'm going to give the show the benefit of the doubt, and maybe they'll try and explain that. Because otherwise, it's a massive super science insanity of trying to do all that analysis and not be able to tell that it's an alien. Maybe not exactly a Kryptonian, but definitely not human. It could also be, maybe there's like a physiological difference between Sam and Rain, to where like, maybe her physiology changes somehow. And that's... She could have been made that way. And maybe the suit just appears. I don't know. As I've discussed, I think, before, I, I, I don't think we're really going to get some of that explained to us. And that's probably for the best. No. And when they don't explain it, that just gives us the freedom to make our own theories. And it's so much more fun that way. Fun, but distracting sometimes. It's a, a balancing act. But, but yeah, overall, I really, really liked these scenes with Sam and Alex. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the... Well, plot of the uh, episode? Yeah, yes. I, I had a lot of notes that I made on that one. I was theorizing the whole time. I'm like, I don't think either of them are behind it. I think there's someone else. I think there's someone else. And I was like, oh, her. The way the episode played it out was strange, though, because they have these attempted murders. And we know the first one on Edge isn't Lena, but... That one isn't been instigated by any other recent action. So it's like Lillian just decided to get around to coming here now, even though the other attempts on Lena's life were weeks ago, months ago. So that the timing seems strange as that is being an attack out of the blue. And then after that, it got even more confusing. I assume that Edge was the person who sent the poison, but then... I don't really quite understand why Lillian shot the poisoner. Could be just Mama Bear if you actually poisoned my daughter. It's true. Then you're dead. But it it it, it just seemed cross-purposes. Like, it seemed like the most likely person to kill the poisoner would be the person who paid the poisoner, because they're trying to shut them up. But in this case, I suppose, well, you poisoned my daughter, I'm going to, well, kill you. Whether or not you had useful information... Well, I think also she did it so she could use that magical disappearing bullet thingy to get Lena's attention. The breadcrumb trail, yes. Yeah, and also I think the reason there might have been a delay between the last sort of fight between the two and the attack where someone tried to kill him with his car, it could have been because it took Lillian a while to safely get from whatever hole she was hiding in back to the area without being detected. Yeah, it's it's possible. Though I still don't quite understand why the poisoner hung out so long to wait just until James came down in order to run away from them. It's probably gonna sort of just slip into a crowd or just sort of slip off so no one looking at tapes would be suspicious. But I then suppose. James with his slight overprotectiveness. Slight? Yeah, I, I one of my notes is James slash guardian slash guardian is not handling things well. And sometimes it does feel like he's overstepping on Lena. That's an aspect of it I don't like, is it feels somewhat presumptuous occasionally that he thinks he needs to sort of step in 
and defend Lena in some cases when he doesn't need to. That could be just because some people are just naturally very protective of people and also because a lot of people attack Lena. So he's like, I care about this person. I need to be like her bodyguard. And he just overinflated ego a little bit. I hope that Lena doesn't dislike it because it would be pushy otherwise. Or if she does, she could just bring it up. They could have a conversation. And, well, I don't think about. I don't know about that. And well, like if they do have a conversation, then I hope that he respects her, like respects her position on the issue, and then steps back because yeah. that's how you handle that. Going into their first meeting with Lena and Edge, I did really quite appreciate Edge claiming that he'll take them to court for defaming his character. To which Lena responds. I don't know. Don't you have to have a character to defame? I love her sass so much. So good. And it does also give us these scenes where both Morgan and Lillian both question why Lena's wasting her time at Catco. And to be fair, the rest of us have also been kind of asking that question. It seems like a surprisingly reasonable question to be coming out of Morgan and Lillian's mouth. I think they both want different things from her. Lillian obviously wants her to sort of go the supervillainous route and use her intellect to take over the world. I don't know what Edge's problem is. He's just he's just a really grumpy person and he's easily offended by just about anything. And I kind of find it amusing sometimes, <laughs> just how touchy he is. But both of them are right that she could be doing more. And I think that, like, I loved her line that she didn't become a killer because she has friends, which I yeah. think, I think that might play into other situations, like the Sam slash Rain thing. But we'll see about that. But it's like, um, I was just going to say it, like, now that she realizes that she can do so much more and so much good, I think she is. I think she's going to make a huge positive change and prove that she's better than anyone thinks she is. But she's also really smart because she is a genius. I think it's almost strange that she might actually go back to doing more work at L Corp because the two bad guys of the story told her to. But it might be a better change. We'll see what happens. Well, normally I'm not too bothered by the effects in the show. I have to admit that Edge's car hitting the rail, flying into the air, and exploding kind of made me laugh. Yeah. It just seemed such a incredibly over-the-top, how-do-you-do-a-car-crash that I've seen. It just sort of hops up and then goes boom. <laughs> there had to be... Uh, when I saw that, I was like, did they put a bomb in his car too? Really? Wouldn't it have been easier to just hit the button and blow up his car the second he got into the car instead of driving it off, giving him time to escape? Thank really? You. This actually brings up my biggest issue, I think, with this episode, which is it really wouldn't be that hard for Lena to take out Edge. There's so much in this episode about how she sort of comes up with this convoluted plot to take out Edge, and it's incomprehensible to me why that would be necessary. And I think the car exploded because cars crash and they explode in TV shows. This one just did it in the middle of the air for no particular reason. Yeah, Lillian is usually really good at coming up with plots, but... I guess she's just out of practice after being hiding in some hole for goodness knows how long until someone decided to pick a fight with her daughter. My, my exact note when I saw her was, in all caps, Lillian Luther is back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she's more interesting than Morgan. True, and her super suit thing was kind of cool. A little over top, but it was kind of cool. I did quite like Wynn uh, nerding out over that. Yeah. There's a couple different statements in the episode about why security guards let anyone into their buildings. And maybe uh, J. James gives us the line, security knows better than to let him in again. Why do they let him in in the first place? Or all the other times? This general CW universe where 
their buildings have no same security whatsoever. Uh, having no security means that you can have an easily explained epic grand entrance where someone walks in and discovers that the person's a hero. Except for that won't happen in Supergirl with the DEO, but it's happened in it's happened in the Flash a couple times. Oh, it's happened in the Flash so much. At least in the Flash, speedsters reasonably could get past any reasonable security. But it, but it, it yeah, it happened in the Flash so often. Yeah, it happens with non-speedsters, just kind of vaulting in and they're like, hey. But I, I, I'm glad at least the DEO doesn't have people randomly wandering in. I'd be concerned. Going back to after Lena is poisoned, Supergirl flies her to the DEO to get help, even though that's a risk to identifying yourself to Lena, which, of course, she probably should have done anyway. But it did give us, I think, a, a rather rather nice super science scene where we see Alex identifying cyanide poisoning, administering sodium thiosulfate, which in theory works. And then I, I don't know if it's particularly reasonable, but using cold breath to induce hypothermia to slow down the poison in the body. I kind of like as a sciencey scene goes. And again, we get to see Alex as a doctor. That was that wasn't bad. Yeah, and it that shows that not only has she like studied these things, she has actual experience working with this because she was able to do it so quickly. You you can't you. I don't think you can react that fast unless you've had like experience doing something like that. She's a professional, well trained, and competent. It's nice to see. Yes. So, are we sure that Edge actually did do the poisoning attack? I would assume it is. He did admit to it, I think, because he, he admitted to several of the things he did, and I think the poisoning was in there. Yeah, I think you're right. Though later we'll discuss the value of that admission. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> but right after the scene where Lena's recovering, we see Guardian chasing down Edge and threatening him. And I don't know, did this accomplish anything? It made him feel better. It made James feel better. That's true. That is definitely true. Maybe that's enough to warrant that scene. Yeah, because he, he's kind of one of those people that he doesn't like sitting back and letting all the other people have the fun. Hence his becoming Guardian. I kind of see that as his midlife or quarter life crisis. Which, yes, he does do a lot of good with it. But I'm just like, you're just throwing a tantrum because you hang out with superheroes and you think you're boring. Yeah, well... Guardian was at least not used badly in this episode. I'm not going to complain too heavily. Yeah, and I'm wondering, how long is it going to take for Lena to realize that Guardian is James? If if they're dating and she can't recognize like his eyes or something? Yeah, it, nah, it starts to get bad. I, I so, so adored the scene with Cat Grant just instantly seeing through it. Cat Grant sees through everything. And actually, back to the Lena talking to her mom, and her mom's like, says that she was pretending to be Cat Grant. I think I know why she's might be subconsciously pretending to be Cat Grant, because everyone loves her and respects her. There's some reasonable... I think Lena has to find a different path than being Cat Grant to get there. Yeah. So I, I still think Lena's playing at Catco is probably a poor choice, but it is understandable. Yeah, and I, I think from now on, she's she might start doing more and doing greater things, which I would love to see. Because the only other show I've seen that actress in, she turned into a villain. She's pretty great villain some of the times, but still. That's okay. In this show, she kind of started as a villain. So uh, that, that, that <laughs> yeah. works. She, she's a bit more of a gray character, but ultimately she is good. Yes. So we did get the scene where Lena heard that it was 
vanishing bullet, and Lena gives some facial response to recognizing that, and then we see some scenes of her tracking it down. She doesn't tell anyone about it, of course, but that's okay. Lena can handle it herself, because I think she knows what she's going to find, and she finds her mother. Yeah, I just saw that, and like, this makes sense, but also, are you kidding me? Please don't tell me she's going to be part of what helps us defeat this new alien threat again. Can she just go away now? I think they, they brought her back and they put her back in jail and they'll bring her back out when she wants to. I don't think she's going to be probably that much more seen for the rest of the season. She might come up again, but I think this is sort of a, a one-off guest actor appearance and it'll probably work that way. Yeah, I kind of hope so. I want to see Lena be great on her own and surpass what her mother has done. The scene also gives us maybe my favorite two lines of dialogue in the in the show where Lillian goes... Do you know any other mother who would kill for her daughter? To which Lena responds, No, I don't. That's probably a good thing for society. I loved that line. I loved that line because it's true and that is say. Yeah, exactly. And that was a great response. Once again, so much sass. It shows their characters so well. It shows how just much of a supervillain Lillian is. But there's some truth to it. There's some love to it. But it's just... So out Twisted. There. <laughs> so twisted. <laughs> she has a very twisted sense of love, and I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like, what? Yeah. why is the Luther family so twisted? Like, all of them but one. Why? How did this start? I think there are many TV shows that have tried to answer that, but I haven't seen all that many of them. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a comic book somewhere that explains it, but it's just, it's one of those things that I wonder. It's like, super villain family, but Why? Your villain needs to have a reason to be evil aside from just being evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah. So I think at this point, Lena sort of just leaves. And I think Lillian assumes that means that Lena's fine with her going off and taking out Edge. I mean, why wouldn't Lillian think that? I love the twist of her working to save Edge. Because it all, it kind of felt like I'm going to save you just despite you. Almost. There might be a, I'm going to show that I'm the better person and I'm just going to enjoy doing it. And uh, that worked relatively well. The one thing I didn't understand about the gala is why wouldn't Lena have been invited to it? I don't quite know why she had to sneak in. There was a gala and a fundraiser and all major donors will be there. Lena planned on sending Kara anyway, and I assume she wasn't going to send Kara to break in. So I don't quite know why they had to figure a way past the security guard. I don't know, maybe Edge was connected and he put in a special request to not have Lena allowed in? I don't know. That that did seem odd. Although, it's the first time we've seen Kara doing anything resembling reporting in a while, even though it was fake. Well, she assaulted a security guard. That counts for something. Yeah. I think it really was focused on that takedown and Kara's line of don't grab women. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two things they really wanted to do, and they weren't really that worried about how they got there. Yeah, and I guess, in a way, the setup did make sense to lead up to that, but you are, do have a good point about why wasn't Lena invited? I don't know. And yeah, it is It is nice to see that Lena is in the position of trying to save Edge, but I ended up with this question, which is, isn't offering to save someone if they confess to a crime, logically the same as threatening to kill someone unless they confess to a crime. You have a really good point there. It's the type of thing where there's no way this 
admission would ever actually hold up in any court because it's under such ridiculous duress. Someone's trying to kill me. Someone might save me if I say these things. Of course I'm going to say these things. For wanting Lena to be shown as really smart, it was interesting, but I don't know if it really did the job. Yeah, there could have been better ways to do things that would be probably still be questionably illegal, but yeah, he probably would have admitted to anything. Because it, it's been proven that even, like, in non-dress situations, depending on how you ask questions, you can get people to admit to things that they didn't do. Yeah, exactly. Things you learn in psychology. <laughs> and the attack certainly also shows just how bizarre Lena's plan is, which is basically to use drones with really bad aim, and then if that doesn't work, show up in the Lexo suit. Yeah. Once again, Lillian is not proving to be the expert planner and manipulator that she usually is, which has me slightly disappointed. She made a decently epic villain. The challenge kind of is Edge is not really much of an antagonist. If you really wanted to take out Edge, it wouldn't be that hard. So it's hard to place Lillian as a supervillain against Edge, who's just evil, but not really, I don't think, in the same league, even if he buys submarines occasionally. Yeah, he, he's a bad person, and he's a jerk, and he's really, really grumpy and easily offended by everything, but he's really not that scary. Like, it, it wouldn't take much to take him out or to not even- you don't even have to kill him if you manage to destroy what little is left of his character. And back to his comment about defamation- like, suing them for defamation, he would have to prove that they said something- he would have to have proof that they were attacking his character, and he would have it. It would be really difficult for him to win that suit. I think I'd be really tempted to record any conversation I had with Edge. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But then that would be someone else recording him, not him recording someone else saying defaming things exactly. about his character. The only other, I think, issue I had a little bit with this plot is it kind of felt like Monel, Wynn, and Guardian actually saved them. Supergirl was sort of keeping a very low-key profile at that event for at least a period of time, and it ended up really basically being Monel using the and Wind using the drones and Guardian knocking down Edge that sort of took down the two bad guys. And I, I don't know if I... There's a thing where this is a team, but in all of these episodes, they seem to always need to have the DEO office people solve some of the problem. And in this case, I think they solved a lot of the problem. Yeah, there there was a bit of that going on. And it could be just like reminding people that, like, yes, these characters are important and they're relevant and they're actually useful to the team. And maybe Kara was trying to not be Supergirl as much, uh, trying not to draw as much attention to herself. So people might not notice that she, that her, that Kara Danvers kind of disappeared around the same time Supergirl showed up. Do these shows really care about that? No. <laughs> no. I mean, also, I wonder why Lena didn't question the fact that she woke up sleep in a chair in her office after going to the hospital after being poisoned. That's not how that would work. Well, no, no, because she wasn't conscious for the entire hospital trip because she just went to the DEO office. So they basically, Kara flew her there before she woke up, flew her back. But she did. Lena didn't question the fact that after 
being oh, yes. nearly why, killed why didn't, with poison. Uh, why am I waking up in my office and not in the hospital room? Because they would have kept her under observation for a couple of days. She didn't even ask the more basic question of, why did I survive? How did I survive? Why am I waking up here? Why am I not in the hospital? Exactly. Am I still poisoned? There's a bunch of really good questions that Lena didn't ask. And a lot of this uh, comes down that I'm still disappointed that this season has Lena not knowing who Supergirl is. And, and that's a, a challenge in these kind of shows is that they always want to have some characters that don't know. And it's it's a bit of a pain. I also, one of the things I asked after, like, Kara flew Lena to the hospital is, is she going to find out soon? Is she finally going to figure it out? Or is someone going to tell her? Nope. Of course not. Why tell the person? Why, like, why tell? Why not tell one of the more one of your most powerful allies your secret and the person that you trust the most your secret? That makes no sense. <sighs> it also occurred to me watching the show some for some of the episodes that everyone in the DEO knows Carl Danvers is Supergirl. Yeah, like everyone, like that entire organization knows. The number of people who know in the city is huge. There's people who Carr doesn't even know their name of who knows that she's Supergirl. That's a good point. And they probably knew some about her before she became Supergirl. Yeah. So as they were taking Edge away, there was this brief conversation uh, as uh, Edge threw more threats at her. And I found it interesting, the line from Lena, you know where to find me, the name's on the building. I wonder if that also suggests, like the previous two comments of wasting your time at Catco, whether we'll see Lena spending a little more time at Elcorp. Yeah, also she said my name's on the building. It's no longer Luther Corp, it's Elcorp. So okay. her name's not actually on the building. The first letter of my name is on the building just doesn't come off the tongue as nicely. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things I liked about that, though, is like she's no longer ashamed of the... As I know, she's no longer ashamed of the fact that her last name is Luther. So I think she may have, especially in this episode, decided to take that name and make it stand for something that's actually good. I really hope this episode doesn't end up being as episodic as it kind of feels it does. I, ho I hope we actually do see some shift in Lena. That's all I'd really hope for. Yeah, because they could do so much more with her character, and it would be amazing. Definitely. So near the end of the episode, we see a conversation with Kara and Monel that I think we've now seen five times. Monel does a really good job at this episode. He shows he's very capable and a good superhero. Mm-hmm. But this conversation, it just feels like they're just retreading the same, I know this is hard for you without my being here, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And it bothers me a bit that we just seem to be having the same conversation. Like, they feel this need to have a conversation, a heart-to-heart -heart between Kara and Monel every once in a while. In theory, they're getting closer to Kara being just okay with it, but it, it's very slow progress. Yeah. I What I want to see is, like, maybe them hanging out in, like, a friendly capacity, or just, like, sitting and joking around, or maybe, like, Kara and Emra just having some... I did get her name right, Emra? Close, yeah. As close as I can guess. Yeah, I want to see, like, them maybe having some bonding girl time just hanging out, not talking about boys, because I just... That would be nice, and yeah, that, I, I get agree. to we would get to see more of Emra's character because I think she's pretty cool. Because I I think she's a telepath, which is pretty awesome. She's at least a telekinetic. Yes, my bad, I get those confused. I think that's definitely what we would really need. Is it'd be nice to see Supergirl and Emra interacting in a way that Supergirl is not stressed out about it, and they're not talking about Monel. 
And that would be a really good scene. And I hope we get that scene this season. And we still might. Or maybe at some point see Kara going on like a no a black sort of no strings attached coffee date with some guy. Like maybe a friend from work or something. And they're just like getting coffee and spending time together. It's like she's moving on somewhat. But so slowly. Is in some regards nice that they haven't done a lot of effort to try and hook Kara up with someone else this season. Yeah, she she has been a little preoccupied and struggling with her identity. But they still need relationship drama for Kara, so I think they pulling this out longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Also, are, is Monel and Embra and Brainy gonna go back to the future anytime soon? Why are they still here? Well, they can't actually go. As far as I can tell, their plan is at some point they're going to go back, park the ship somewhere, and go to sleep for a thousand years or so. I still doubt that would work. Well, that's how they got to where they were. Like, they were, what, 12,000 years in the past? Because the ship isn't a time-traveling ship. It got pushed through time. It's much easier to travel forward in time than backwards in time. And in this case, they've done it so far by suspended animation. So I would suspect that at the end of the season, they will... I'll go into their little tubes and just not be dealt with for a while. But we'll see. Maybe they'll deal with them some other way. I'd still like to know how many more people of the Legion are in the ship. Yeah, that's a good question. Also, Brainy get put back to sleep? Or is he still wandering around somewhere? I like his character. I hope he's walking around somewhere. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would like to see more of him. I have a end of season theory to push out. I don't know if I entirely buy it but so one of the things i was thinking of and this may be discussed by other people on the internet i don't know i haven't been tracking the show that way but from monel we learned that rain leaves at the end of this conflict and i started to wonder what that means for ruby and that leaves me with the almost too tight answer which sort of blared out at me which is is alex going to end up with ruby that could happen I yeah I can I hadn't thought about it but I can see that happening and also for, there's also like wondering why does rain leave well and and rain leaves might mean different things rain leaving might mean rain and the other world killers go off and leave the planet which is kind of what happened in the comic but it also could just mean the rain personality leaves and it's just Sam left. I yeah I would like that because I'm constantly touting that there's rain. And then there's Sam. So I think possibly not only Sam having her daughter, but Sam having her strong group of friends might lead to the same thing that Lena said about like how she's not a killer because she has good friends. Exactly. That maybe Sam's friendship and attachment to um, Lena, Alex, and Kara might help her sort of beat back and kick out Brain. That was my take up until this point. That definitely that, especially her friends and Ruby, will be able to allow Sam's personality to take on full dominance and uh, basically kick Rain out, and then we'll have Sam back at the end of the season. But I was just wondering whether or not having Alex babysit Ruby, having Alex break up a relationship because she wants a child, whether they were going to try and actually connect those or not. And I could see a path for them doing that, but it, it, I agree, it is the less likely path. Yeah, and I, I, another reason I like my idea of this difference between Sam and Rain is because it also fits with 
sort of what Kara's been going through, her Kryptonian versus her human side. And, like, I think I think it's been mentioned that we think her human side might be what wins, because it's what got her out of that coma, is embracing her human side, so that it might parallel with what happens with Sam slash Rain. Yeah, it's possible. It's what I would do. So what were your overall thoughts about the episode? I liked it. I... I like the direction that they're starting to go with Lena, minus that questionable morality, the questionable legality of that confession she got. But I like the general direction, and I like how they're continuing to like strengthen the bonds between the four women. Overall, I liked it. It was it was definitely not the episode I didn't expect so much of a sort of speed bump episode. But I I did like a lot of the things they did. Some aspects of the Luther Morgan plot, as all the Morgan plots go, felt a little kludgy. But the rest of the episode I thought was quite good, and it it held together and had some interesting thoughts. So I I hope it will show well for the rest of the season. Yeah, and maybe we'll eventually find out what's the point of this whole subplot with Morgan Edge. How does Uh, it factor into the overall story? Like, it might come in, like, with the whole Maxwell Lord thing, where he ends up like providing something that helps but he's still a massive jerk which is like there's not been much of a point other than to sort of provoke reactions out of lena i have difficulty believing they're going to give us a redemption path for morgan i think it's just as likely he's going to end up siding with rain if they actually try to connect the plots i don't know if they're going to do that though i i would kind of hope they don't i don't think so i think it might end up like lena going like even more pure and good in her character development and then edge is just so angry about it that he does something stupid gets caught everything that he's done comes out with irrefutable proof and he's locked away in a deep dark hole for the rest of his life i would be happy with that that sounds like a good place for him to be yeah he's annoying (laughs) okay with that i think let's wrap this up okay I'd like to thank the Incomparable Network for hosting us. Thanks to our audio editor, Seth Heasley, for making us sound so much better than we are. Also, thank you all our listeners out there. We'd love to continue this discussion on the Incomparable Facebook group, the members' Slack channel, and Twitter at SGSupercast. Finally, thank you, Brianna. Always happy to be here. We'll be back following the next episode of Supergirl. Supergirl.